A word from our sponsor, Von Seger Designs is a small Nebraska custom woodworking business making hand-burned customized wood pieces to be a statement in any room. Working with clients every step of the way, from hand-selecting the wood to customizing the design Von Segrin Designs, makes the process as smooth as possible. Specializing in items from themed bar carts and tables to cutting boards and signs so that you can show your team pride all year round. Show your Husker support in a unique and functional way. When you work with Von Segrin Designs, you support small businesses throughout the region. Allow Von Segrin Design to create a custom, fresh, hand-burned piece wood for your home or business. You can link up with them at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-D-N-E-S-I-1 and at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-N underscore designs. So check them out on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram as well. Uh, go Big Red, and uh, let's start the podcast. to throw down toward the goal line going up ball tipped in the yes. touchdown Gordon Westerkamp Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest oh baby far side back to throw is Martinez not being chased throws it out a flat Burkhead makes a catch sets a tackle 25-20 Rex Burkhead touchdown Nebraska Congregation, welcome back to another episode of Church of the Corn podcast. You are in for a doozy tonight. We're really excited. We'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, let's check in with the uh, with the gentleman here. Uh, Zach, how are you doing today on this uh, May 1st? Did you chase a lot of kids around the neighborhood when they left Mayday baskets on your porch? Uh, well, I shot bottle rockets at kids. Does that count? Same same Sunday for you, so not surprised. Yeah, well, I like to live my life on the edge, you know. What can I say? Not everyone lives as luxuriously as this guy does. And fantastic. Drake pushing his, uh, his rolling his eyes, rubbing his <laughs> temples, and we're two minutes in already. Drake, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good, man. Uh, it's been a rough day for me sports-wise. Nebraska dropped game two of the baseball game. Giants got waxed and Celtics lost game one. So it's been a tough day for me. This will be fun. Oh, so the the theme of this is going to fit really well the way things are going. Yeah, it sounds like it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you guys back. Always fun to uh, get back in the church and and record. And then uh, we're ready to go. So I'm going to introduce our guests now. We are excited. And uh, it's a privilege to have Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek on Twitter uh, one of two, the co-host or head host, Big Kurtz, your assistant, whatever you can explain this of Eyes on Big. 
Uh, Jeffrey, welcome to Church of the Corn. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, Kurt and I definitely co-hosts, co- co-owners, 50-50. Every decision that's made needs, needs both people at the head of the table. That's very cool. We are also, we have three of us and we do make 50-50 decisions as well. I'll leave it, I'll leave it at that for who's, uh, who's left out depending on the day and the time. So um, what's, uh, what's Eyes on Big all about? Uh, give us a little bit of uh, how that gets started, how long you guys been doing that. Yeah, what has it been? Four years now that I think we've been doing it. Uh, essentially, Kurt and I uh, both kind of tramp, transplants here in Minnesota uh, I'm an Iowa fan, which obviously we'll get into. He's an Illinois fan. Uh, for I got to know Kurt what eight nine years ago when he moved up here. Uh, eight nine years ago, uh, you couldn't swing a dead cat in Minnesota and find a college football fan. Uh, now that has changed a little bit over the years, but so me and him just kind of got to know each other, gravitated towards each other because figured out that he loved uh, college football and Big Ten football as much as I did, which I didn't think. Uh, existed at the time. So after about three or four years of knowing each other and listening to these numb yucks, the uh, podcasts, national podcasts that, uh, you know, just, they were driving us nuts, constantly talking about the sec, only talking about two or three teams in the big 10. We said, you know what, we should just start our own uh, big 10 specific podcast. And by gosh, we're going to talk about all 14 teams on the pod and, that's what we do, man. We talk about all 14 teams. We try to uh, deep dive with them as much as we can, and we have a lot of fun. So it Very. sounds like your guys' podcast came together a lot more organized than ours did. I woke up to a Twitter message at like 8.15 on a Saturday, and it's Zach saying, hey, you want to do a podcast? I was like, yep, I do. Nice. Hey, it's got to start somehow. Yeah. It was one of my well, main brainchilds. What can I say? <laughs> Inspiration just struck me, boys. <laughs> and then we bring in it's 2022 yeah, social media and podcast. You're famous. That's right. Absolutely. Very cool. So this, what's this your... generation's lower back tattoo? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think that's the best analogy I've ever heard for it. I'm big into analogies. That might not be my last one tonight. So hold on. Uh, I'm right. I'm going to be writing them down. Good, good, good. They, uh, we, we suffered through, uh, Dustin's and, and mine, our dad jokes last week. So, uh, full on inappropriate analogies are, are, are right up our alley. And DS isn't even a dad. So you got to give him special credit there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had some breaking news for him last week. So, <laughs> so oh, what's your, so you, you said you're moved for, to, uh, Minnesota from Iowa. What's, so where's your kind of what's your what are your roots in Iowa? How does that all shake out as far as football goes? Yeah, so um, not really Greek. Uh, that is a play on word from uh, Jimmy the Greek. I, honestly, I'm looking at Zach and Drake. I don't even know if they would know who Jimmy the Greek is or the reference. I always wonder about that on Twitter. But anyways. one of the two of them thinks it's Jimmy Neutron. But again, we'll leave it alone. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, I'm about as Greek as this uh, glass with uh, Amador whiskey in my hand right here. Uh, but I grew up in I grew up in uh, kind of East Central Iowa. Uh, older brother uh, when I was so I, when I was ten years old, my uh, brother was eight years older than me, 
Uh, he got recruited, accepted a scholarship to Iowa, uh, actually came down to Iowa and Arizona State. So uh, once I saw my brother walk out of the Kinnick Tunnel when I was 10, you know, pretty much hooked to be a Iowa football fan the rest of my life. Uh, middle brother played college football. We are a huge football family, uh, what I grew up in. And then uh, I was lucky enough to get uh, recruited uh, by couple different teams at the D1 level and uh, chose Iowa. So I went to Iowa, the kind of the end of the Hayden Fry era, beginning of the Kirk Ferentz era. Uh, then after that was over, that led me uh, up to my professional life because shockingly, uh, um, the NFL did not come calling. Uh, arena football paid less than the jobs that I was getting offered. So I, I moved up to Minnesota and started selling crap. Very, very cool. I want to go back to what you said and it, it kind of, it's a resounding theme. You know, we're all connected through all of this with social media, but you talked about your older brother walking out of the tunnel and there's this nationally sometimes in this, whatever it is where, you know, why do people, you know, Nebraska and and stuff like that. And, you know, but we look at a, a guy like Garrett Nelson, who born, raised in Nebraska. I was born and raised here. And then you connect with the university and stuff like that. It's more than just the school in that regard. There there's, it's, it's a passion. It's, it's kind of the lifeblood of it. And there's, there are those connections. And I think people don't, some people don't realize that, but it happens at Alabama. It happens at Auburn. I mean, look at that split. I mean, was that, there's gotta be more, of that than just your story is that something you've heard from other players recently too is it just yeah i mean i mean i think what you're kind of getting at is just um you know the the connection that football players feel to the university that the fans feel to the university i mean quite honestly i feel horrible for anybody that didn't grow up like that i mean i grew up a diehard hawkeye fan you guys all grew up diehard nebraska fans I can't imagine not having that as a part of my DNA that that is just so foreign to me, you know, like I'm a, I'm a United States citizen first and a Hawkeye really close second, you know, and maybe (laughs) depending on the day you might reverse them. Uh, But that, that's just, that's how I am. Um, I mean, this is a stupid analogy, but I I just saw a Dustin Schutte tweet and it's uh, Garth Brooks. Right. And he's singing Colin Baton Rouge, you know, and, He's performing it in Baton Rouge, Garth Brooks. So, of course, when he says Baton Rouge, the entire crowd just erupts and goes nuts because it's my town. It's my city. Like that connection you have, you know, with where you grew up, there's just nothing like it. And then it goes to an even higher level, I think, when you've got a a big time, you know, football program that's connected to it. That's that's really cool. Go ahead, Drake. I was just going to say, do you think. Places like Iowa and Nebraska, it is even a little bit more special because there aren't major market pros teams in the area. No doubt. Um, we both Nebraska and Iowa fans suffer from the same tired line, right? Well, yeah, there's nothing else to do there. Bitches, that's how we like it. Okay. <laughs> I don't want a thousand things to do. St- statistics will actually prove that the 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 smaller amount of choices you have actually leads to happier people and people feeling better about their choices. Okay. I keep trying to tell my wife that. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. So it's like picking dinner. Obviously, there's you know it's interesting with 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 the state of Iowa. It's a huge it's a huge football state, but for the NFL. There's Chiefs fans, there's Packer fans, there's Bears fans, there's Vikings fans. It's all split out in the state. I don't think Nebraska is completely different. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to college, 99% of people are either Iowa or, unfortunately, Iowa State fans. Okay, so Iowa State, you were recruited there and Nebraska. Can you talk a little bit about that? I, again, tw- 2022 to, you know, 1978 when you got recruited, is that it's a long time it's a lot of differences but how was that experience for you have had a lot of these in between then and now i've killed some of the good brain cells but um yeah i mean i was recruited the hardest by far by uh iowa and iowa state uh northwestern and then they were getting real good just to kind of date myself that was the first time northwestern started winning so they were kind of waning i did get recruited by nebraska um I actually went to Iowa as a running back, believe it or not. Uh, and uh, Nebraska recruited me as a fullback and they wanted me to be a part of the, you know, walk on fullback program. And, you know, I'll be completely honest with you. Um, I don't think I live, I live too much of a sheltered life, but I didn't know anything about it until that coach explained it to me. And I was like, wow, that is, that is awesome. Um was it Corey Schlesinger? Or was that who was good? Like during the 93, 94, who was the, or Makaveka? Who was the good? Yeah, full- I think it was Makaveka. Okay. You had a so run like, of about seven of them. Yeah, yeah. So one of those big bruising white boys that was, you know, running through the line and like, so I knew those names and I was like, Oh man, that is really cool. Um, so then the next time they talked to, to me, they offered to uh, bring me out to a game and this is how stupid I was at 17 or 18. And I'm like, yeah, but are you going to offer me a scholarship? Cause I already had a couple scholarship offers and they said, no. And I'm like, yeah, peace out. <laughs> that was so <laughs> dumb. I should have went, I should have went to the game. I just was stupid. You know, like some of the things, and uh, like I got offers from uh, uh, service academies and uh, like Northern Illinois. I remember Northern Illinois. And I was so dumb. I didn't think it was quote unquote D one back then it was just, you know, D one. And I remember my dad saying, you dummy, those are D one schools. And I just, I, you know, it just didn't make sense to me. To me, it was just Iowa, Iowa state teams in the big 10 and a whole bunch of teams on the coast that I never would have dreamed about going, you know, that's, that's all I ever thought of. So as a, as a recruit, what was your perception and again, growing up in Iowa, it's a little bit different because we have a perception as Nebraskans between the Big Ten and at that time, the Big 12. Or what Big was eight. that? You know, because for us, it's the, you know, a hey, three yards in a cloud of dust type of thing. You know, it's just a, it's smash mouth, slow it down, you know, idle football, you know, stuff like that. How as a as a player going through that, what was the mindset or the the, I guess, talk conversation? Yeah, again, to date myself, the Big 12 had just kind of formed when I was getting recruited by Iowa State. Um, so to me, uh, the thought of playing uh, Texas and Oklahoma while wearing an Iowa State uniform <laughs> did, did not sound appealing to me. Uh, that was one of the biggest factors in my recruiting process. Like, 
So it was Dan McCartney. Um, I don't know if that's a name you guys recognize or not, but Dan McCartney was actually, he was Iowa's D-line coach when my brother was at Iowa. And then he helped, he went to Notre Dame with Alvarez and he turned around Wisconsin with Alvarez and then he took over Iowa State. Dan McCartney is a outgoing personality. I loved Dan McCartney. He recruited the heck out of me. I got damn close. I, I, I want to vomit in my mouth just thinking about it, but I got damn close to going to Iowa state. Uh, but in the end, it, it, it just was not my, my cup of tea. So, and in the end, you know, I was always a hog. So you went to Iowa for football. Where did you do your schooling then? <laughs> <laughs> Mostly around Iowa city, Mostly around <laughs> Iowa city. What was that like? Because you said you were there at the end of the uh, Hayden Fry era, end of the Kirk Ferentz era. What was that kind of like with, you know, with the two different coaches? Uh, Timing is a big part of life, as maybe we have all figured out right now. And I did not time that out very well. Obviously, uh, when you're at the end of one regime at the beginning of another, um, not the way you'd want to time it. We were really good my freshman year. Um, not so good after that. Um, and then, but now that I look back, you know, since we're in the the church, the Lord works in mysterious ways. It's kind of cool though, that I got to go through that because there's not a lot of players in, in Iowa football history that got to be coached by both Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferentz. So, Guys that were around my age that were at Iowa, I think it's something to be proud of. Um, we had to keep fighting. I mean, we didn't go to bowl games my last couple years. Uh, Coach Ferentz just kept, you know, coaching hard and coaching hard. Like, don't give up, guys. Keep keep working. And we believe we were a part of the process when the, when it flipped the next year, when they went to a bowl game that next year, the first year, under under uh, uh coach Ferentz cool thing too is he uh sent me this rock right here break the rock along with a watch from the Alamo Bowl and a handwritten letter that said thank you for not giving up on us the coaches you're as big a part of this win as as the guys on the team here's a gift to let you guys know that we we're still thinking about you man that's awesome I, I that goes a long way at least for me, in terms of how I view Kirk, uh, when I think of Iowa football, I think really boring. Um, no personality from Kirk, but no, that's that's special. Um, I kind of real quick. Yeah. If you spent about thirty consecutive seconds at an Iowa football practice, trust me, you would find a more colorful side of Coach. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that. Uh, I kind of want to expand on something that you were saying about your experience and tie it a little bit to Nebraska and I don't want this to become a whole defense Scott Frost situation. I just kind of want to know what are your thoughts on how long it should take a transition after being a part of one and what's it like, like turning over the mentality and the thought process there? You know, honestly, I I would, I would say it's kind of like remodeling a house just because one house is, can get remodeled and updated in six months doesn't mean the next one can, you know, every, everything's different. With that being said, I don't think it should take four years, you know, and, and you still feel like you've got walls you need to put up in the house. Um, it, it's, it's officially taking too long. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I'm coming up with any, you know, 
any, any big announcement here. Um, That's but, so controversial. Yeah, very, very <laughs> controversial. You're about um, to get canceled. Yeah. I I, I mean, I, I just say I, I'm, as, I'm as surprised as anybody. Um, like what I always think about, and this kind of ties in, you know, to the old, you know, the Iowa-Nebraska feud, uh, if I can call it that. Um, if I would have, and I wouldn't have done this by the way, but if I would have said to a Nebraska fan five years ago or right after Frost got hired, if I would have said, I bet four years in, he won't even have gone to his first bowl yet. When I say every single Nebraska fan would have laughed at me, I mean, literally every single Nebraska football fan would have laughed at me. I wouldn't have said that because I would have thought it was so absurd to have said it. And in fact, I remember Twitter conversations saying, I think it's going to be a rough year, the first year in the Big Ten. But I think by year two and three, you know, it's going to start taking hold. And I got I got destroyed on Twitter for just having the audacity to say it was going to take a year and then a second and third to get to get good. I, I, I could probably go back and find the tweets. So. I just don't think anybody was expecting this. Well, what, and I get on that same page there. I, I find it comical and I don't care who you are or what conference, but for somebody to come in though and not, and it seems like not know. And we saw the same thing with Pelini though, to be honest, going into the big 10 too, not know what you're getting yourself into for lack of a, a better phrase there, you know, the, the type, the body type of, a, of particular players, you know, yes, Ohio State, although people won't say it, they run a by body spread. type, you mean slightly overweight white guys that don't move real quick, like the like this guy right here that maybe. Yeah, so yeah. I guess equate it to, yeah, like Nooner basketball at the YMCA, that whole <laughs> pretty much pretty much what Drake does on his weekends. But yep. uh, he dominates, by the way. What you have? Did you double double again today? Oh, absolutely. He's going on. What after, is this now? After rounding, got a triple double, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I found out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just that that concept that you didn't quite know what you needed or you're going to try. And, and again, we can bring it up and I'll say it too, because we a lot of us probably rolled our eyes. It's like the, the idea that the Big Ten is going to have to change to, to you, that whole, you know, I like the the machismo. I like that, you know, hubris to a point, but it's like, it just now two, three, four years, it seems like that's changing, but it shouldn't, you said it shouldn't take that long, but why do you go into it without, I guess, the knowledge, without the understanding of what you're actually getting into? I don't know. Yeah. I just want to preface this by saying, um, if I, if I listed off the top 25, coaches in my lifetime that I can't stand. I Frost wouldn't even, he wouldn't even make the list. Okay. Like I, I, I know that he speaks well of the Iowa coaches and program to recruits and behind the scenes. Like, I feel like I've got enough of that figured out. Um, the one time that I, I did not like Scott Frost was right then, right, right. When he got hired. Um, it is my thought process that we were kind of talking about it before it was already alluded to, but the thought process that the big 10 was just this thick ankled conference, you know, 
if you run a four, six, you're blinding fast for the big 10. Like <laughs> I think, I think that was the general thought process for any Nebraska fans of a certain age with Scott Frost being one of them. Like you forget Scott Frost was a Nebraska fan his whole life as well, you know, and he went, you know, through Nebraska into the NFL for a little bit. And then he was right into coaching and, you know, you and I for a little bit, but then Oregon UCF, like he's kind of on the coast and he's still like away from the Midwest and the big 10. I just don't think he ever really gained the knowledge at that time. So when he came to Nebraska, he's just like, my God, we're going to get this speed in space. And these slow ass dudes on these big 10 defenses are not going to know what hit them. And what, what has been found out is good defense travels in any situation. And, and I'll be gal dang if Wisconsin, Iowa, typically Northwestern, Michigan, typically Ohio State, I could go on. These are defensive-minded teams. Now, not Ohio State, obviously. They're, they're nuclear on offense right now. But, you know, like, and I just don't think he, he really grasped it until he was in the league for, I'm going to say, somewhere around – 15 games or so. Um, and, and obviously a, a, a big part of that is, is up front. Well, so one question I've got for you, and it involves NIL, obviously Nebraska is doing some different things with that. And I don't know if you know this or not, but they apparently signed a oh, pass rusher. Yeah. Oh, Sean. Oh, Mr. Mathis. There's Irish. an Irish, there's an Irish, Irish accent to that. He, we've oh, talked yeah. about this. Oh, yeah. You know, he only he only signed so he can go to the Ireland game, so he can go back home. <laughs> oh, oh, Sean, oh, he's Sean not coming Mathis. back. He's not coming back to the states from Ireland. Nope. <laughs> what better way to get a free trip, right? I mean, it's the best yeah. way to do it. Um, what you know? How much do you think that's going to affect college football? I mean, we've already started seeing it, but more like the Big Ten. How do you think it's going to affect the Big Ten? Do you think it's really going to switch the? I mean, no one's going to unseat Ohio State anytime soon, but do you think it's going to do something to switch the power balance between like teams two through six in the Big Ten? My guess is uh, the teams that are really good, mediocre, and bad right now are going to be almost the exact same 10 years from now, with the exception of like one or two teams that could flip-flop. And I'm not just trying to play up to your offense, to your audience, but obviously Nebraska fancies themselves cutting edge on all kinds of things, you know, diet, lifting weights over the years, you know, all that type of stuff. They are doing everything they possibly can to, to be at the forefront of NIL. They will be at the forefront of NIL. This is Nebraska's chance to, to be, to make themselves stand out from a lot of big 10 teams not named Ohio State, Michigan, or probably Penn State. Yeah, that was kind of my thought, too, is every time Nebraska has done something newsworthy in the past besides losing, you know, they, they were on the cutting edge of shit. Like you said, Boyd Epley, um, you know, allowing certain athletes to play, Prop 48, different shit like that where that's what got them there. I think NIL and Transfer Portal is kind of the next – bridge for them to cross to get back to I guess whatever we want to call relevant anymore I mean I don't think anyone's expecting national championships but 
above 500 would be nice. Yeah. I mean, my Nebraska is definitely out in the lead for the Big Ten West. I think a couple teams will start to to catch up and close the gap a little bit. And then I do think, and maybe I'm a you know eternal optimist, but I do think there's going to be a pullback from the businesses on just how much money they're putting into this stuff. Three, four years from now, it'll start to get settled down, though. I would think, I would freaking hope there'll be some form of regulation. But for right now, it's freaking the wild, wild west. It is the freaking wild, wild west. So Nebraska, pretty much the entire SEC, not named Vanderbilt. They're they're going after it right now. So and you know, why why wouldn't you? If if somebody's just giving giving it to you, take it. Well, yeah, now you can't rein it back in. Once you put it out there, you put that dog out there, you can't rein it back in. And, I mean, you're starting to get, you know, you're starting to get, I guess, with with SC tampering. I mean, you'll you'll never be able to prove that because you just send your players to talk to these players. It's not direct contact with the head coach. I mean, the toothpaste is out of the tube guy. I know you guys discussed that on your last podcast. That's my go-to for that that experience. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Jeff, I kind of I'm glad you said something here because I find it I find it hilarious, actually, now that we're talking about it. You said Nebraska fancies themselves cutting edge on a lot of things. And I'm so glad you said it because there was an interview with the strength and conditioning coach here locally um, that their first offseason here. And he said Nebraska had stayed the same since the 90s on strength and conditioning and nutrition. And they were behind schools like UCF and you and I even. And it kind of feels like based off of what you were saying with Scott Frost and his original opinion of the Big Ten, it seems like a lot of our problems on all fronts are self-inflicted from resting on the 90s. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know how much resting on the 90s plays into when an uh, athletic director makes a a coaching choice. I mean, yeah, just if if you hired – I don't which a, a hot coach eight years ago, nine years ago, instead of Riley that, you know, you, you'd be a better football program now and it would have nothing to do with that. Uh, by the way, side note that that was an argument that I got into uh, with Nebraska fans eight, eight years ago, seven years ago, whatever it was when Mike Riley was hired. I wish I could remember the name of the pizza place in Omaha, Nebraska, when I was sitting and I told people that I thought the, the Mike Riley hire was underwhelming and I got, I got shouted down, man. They were just, it was like, Oh, he's going to bring the West coast concepts to this, the big 10 and they're going to light him up. I'm like, nah, he is a mediocre coach and he's going to be even more mediocre here in the big 10. But anyways, I'm just patting myself on the back now. I go, I Googled him. I am sure everybody, I, I can remember where I was standing and I probably opened my phone and waited for two G to, to log in for me. <laughs> and found a landline and it was like who is this guy and honest to god you see it is like over whatever the years it's like he's 181 and 181 you know right. like what are we what are we doing and what did he leave nebraska at? and that's five freaking hundred five freaking hundred and uh mike Riley's is a heck of a nice guy probably a good guy to have on your staff but not the guy you want you know leading the program and it, it definitely made a gigantic difference in you know, the, the direction of Nebraska football pretty much since he, he, you know, he took over. It is so hard for me to picture 
the 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 horror stories I've heard of the lack of strength and conditioning, like it's hard. It's it's literally hard. Like you do strength and conditioning at high school programs, every level of college. I I I can't fathom it. But you know, if if that many people are telling the same stories, at least part of it's got to be true. Well, there's just and we've you know we've talked to some people and it in a in a in a nice way in a roundabout way they just talked about accountability. And that accountability started in the weight room. That accountability started, went back to certain people could miss class. Other people, you know, they were getting, they weren't checking on that stuff. And, and it's, you know, the, the details, you know, Monday through Friday impact what you do on Saturday. And we all know that. And we could see that from afar. Yeah. Like even uh, Riley second to last year, I think they started out what, like seven and oh that year. And I remember thinking, you know, I still didn't feel great ab- about them. Um, still, again, like I would go back, like I'm just, I'm still shocked at the, some of the stuff that I've heard. But like, what's hard to, you know, escape from that as a Nebraska fan, I would think, by the way, I forgot to do this proclamation before I started, but I just want to say, I do not speak for all of Iowa fans and Hawkeye nation. This is just my opinion. So if I have an opinion, it is mine directly, you know, don't, don't uh, crap on every Iowa fan just because it, um, um, but anyways, like, like Nebraska fans have to own up to the fact that it was Nebraska, you know, it was their AD that, that selected Mike Riley. Um, then it was their AD that, uh, you know, that got frosted and obviously it was the higher, but in my opinion, Something that should have happened that I don't think Moose did. Okay, this is like conspiracy theory stuff. He didn't tell Scott Frost how shitty the program had become. And I like my guess is when you look back on some of those comments, Scott Frost was making assumptions that I would make, that anybody would make that's been through a division one program, that there is a minimum level that you have to be at for, for developing players. I don't think he knew that that's just my, and, and that's on moose and it's on moose for letting it happen. You know, even up to the point of that, like th- that was a crazy situation that frost walked into and it was, it's been a, it's been a huge learning process, obviously for frost. Once he, once he has started to figure that stuff out. No, you're right. I think there's even more problems with moose too, in term just in terms of account- accountability, it seemed like there was no, <laughs> no real metrics in terms of like the offense wasn't clicking and some of the changes that they made this off season should have made two been made two years ago. And I think a lot of that falls on Moose and giving everybody a really nice security blanket, essentially. Well, he I gave that. I would put that more on frost. I mean, there's no way Bill Moose was going to turn down anything that frost asked for, whether that was his first day on the job or, you know, 600 days on the job. Um, I, I, the part, you know, I always hear Nebraska fans talking about how they should have that frost shouldn't have brought all his quote unquote cronies with them from UCF. I think that's a really easy thing to say in hindsight. hindsight. I mean, those are guys that he was comfortable with. And again, he had the confidence that he was going to come into the stodgy big 10 and light it up. So like, that's not an, you don't just all of a sudden, you know, jettison all the coaches to start all over. Like that's not a way to do it either. 
And oh, by the way, the coach that got, you know, destroyed the most at the beginning was Chins. And I think fans feel about better about him now than than any of the coaches, by the way. Iowa background, knew the Big Ten, probably had more of a background in it before it I meant that more as a background, like knowing the Big Ten than anything. Um, but you know, those but I I tell you what has been crazy is reading the articles that I've read. Um, shout out to uh, a guy, Jim in Minnesota. He's a big Nebraska fan. He's on Twitter and me and him have become buddies and we go, we go at it all the time, by the way, shout out to honky with the red cast, Vegas, Jer, Abby, hot Mesker, Husker X's and O's man. I've gotten to know some good Nebraska fans through the podcast and on Twitter. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, where was I going with this? Uh, what we were just talking about? Um, oh, uh, uh, you know, uh, with chins and everything and starting over, but like what has been crazy that I have read is the change in recruiting since Mickey Joseph came over and, and you're hearing all these things. And, and it's like, instead of talking to 600 recruits, they're, they're focusing on a hundred. I mean, these are things that I've been saying for years. Like, how do you build relationships with 500 dudes? You, 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 you can't do it. Drake can. What's that? (laughs) Drake can. (laughs) But, but that's, what's been interesting is now I feel like they're, they really are putting the proverbial fence around Nebraska. That fence should have been up day one. It just blows my mind. So if this idea of the recruiting and NIL and kind of putting it all together, when you've got coaches like uh, Dave Sweeney, Dabo, whatever, Sweeney from Clemson, and they have a, they've got a collective now, they've got this rain program, um, you know, spelled wrong, R-E-I-G-N. I don't know what that's about. Um, and, you know, Nebraska has ABM and we've got all these different things. Texas now has a collective, which obviously didn't work out well enough. But when Iowa state comes in and says, you know what, we're not going to pay to play. I, and correct me if I'm wrong. It, I don't, it doesn't sound like Iowa has been on the front foot of that going forward. Like, so behind NIL is that, does that have to change? Is there a difference between what the coaches think and what the AD and boosters think is that where that line is drawn and it really doesn't matter what the coach says, or where do you think that's going to go as far as Iowa is concerned? I mean, obviously I can't speak for the Iowa coaches or the AD. I can only speak for me as a fan. What do you want to happen? Oh, I want, I want NIL. I just had a a conversation with my brother the other day and where I'm like, so how much are you okay with giving to the collective a year, you know, and then how much of that are you going to tell your wife about? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's probably going to be about half of what I, I tell her about half of what I actually gave. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, the fans want it. Every fan base is, you know, their, their buttholes are puckered up because they don't know where this is going to go and how it's going to affect their team. I know Iowa doesn't have one right now. I feel confident in saying they're going to have one. I believe Iowa state already has one, but it's not just Iowa. Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, like there are a lot of of teams in the Big Ten and across the country that are just kind of scrambling to to get this together. Um, Different state laws plays into this. There's a lot of complications. You can't just ram something in there and then have issues with it. So teams, I guarantee you, every program is trying to figure this out as much as possible. 
And by the way, I'm not a dabble apologist, but if you listen to that whole interview, it wasn't like he was saying that his he wasn't going to take part in NIL or, or the transfer portal. He just said he didn't like it. I'm the same way. I bet you Kirk Ferentz feels the same way. I bet you 95% of coaches don't like how this is. It's just that some coaches have got national recent national championships and can say whatever the heck they want. Dabo said it. And to be honest with you, Saban said it as well. And he goes, I mean, basically Saban says, is this what you want? Is this what you want? All right. I'm going to beat the shit out of all of you again, using this now, if you're not going to regulate it, like the older coaches are trying to warn us all. It's a, it's a good way to look at it is that they're will they're willing to do it. They want it structured. They want it fair because you know, in the back of your head, Saban's like, fine, I'm going to take advantage of this just like everyone else. And I'm still going to win. But if you want to regulate it, you want to make it equal footing for everybody. I'm still going to win. And he, he like taking on all comers. So as long as it, it gets regulated, as long as there's a, um, I don't want to say a limit by any means, but there, there's got to be something that does make it fair, does make it equal for everyone, because that's what sports are supposed to be about fair and equal and let the you know let the let the game play it as it is now i now go ahead college football has never been fair and equal ever okay that's a good point but you know so like how do i think it's going to work out i think the elite teams are going to stay elite yeah (laughs) i I mean i i think you're mostly going to see that the only i mean as of right now there's still 85 scholarship roster spots and there's still only one football in the loving start, 11 starting spots on both sides of the ball. Okay. Now you could get to a point where you have 105 uh, quality people on a team because 20 of them don't have to be on scholarship. They're making enough money at, on NIL where it doesn't matter. That little nugget right there scares me. But I think for the most part, you're going to break it down where the talent will always naturally go to the top. The top teams will have the cream of the crop, but then when they see that they're not going to play uh, like Jamison Williams, I think is his name, right? At Ohio state. Like he literally was not getting on the field and he was a first round draft pick. They leave and they go to other places. I still think you're going to see that, but to help yourself out when that person takes off from the top is to get them to land in your program. You better have that bag. Well, it's funny that you say that the elite are going to stay elite. I The way I look at it right now is, you're right, the elite are going to stay elite, and it's all because of funding. Now we're just repurposing that funding. The money used to go to facilities and anything to take care of the athletes. Now it's just going to go to the collective. I think so, but right now this is all outside money. The TV money, only a minimal amount is getting funneled to the players. The, I mean, this money is coming from John and Jane Public. Right, but I mean, every like Nebraska, we're funded off of boosters, so now that booster money is just going to go to the collective. Agree. I mean, again, I don't know exactly how it's going to work out, but I just old man yelling at cloud, but I just don't like it. I don't like how it feels. <laughs> feels icky. Yeah. Well, speaking of feeling icky, we can talk about uh, Nebraska versus Iowa over the last few years, but. Before we get into the rivalry talk, we want to, we do want to ask your opinion on something just because the three of us were talking about this earlier uh, with rivalries. Are you a uh, 
Haribo guy for gummy bears or are you a trolley guy for gummy bears? It, it so, matters. So let's, let's I, get into this. I, I don't know if this works or not, but something is weird with me. I do like candy, but gummy worms and gummy bears have never been my thing. My wife, though, freaking loves gummy bears and gummy worms, and she is a Harib- she is a Haribo gal. All right, so that's 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 your wife who must be like a NASA scientist because I'm right there on board too. Drake, where where are you at? I'm with Haribo. You people are all exactly. fucking degenerates. Um, <laughs> I was, I was, I was sensing that's where that was going to go. Horrible. And I had to. First of all, we're never going to get sponsored by Horrible now after this rant I'm about to fucking go on. But those are disgusting gummy bears. They're stiff and they taste like shit. Sorry, right, I'm still working on the C4 energy. Well, give me a little bit. I could use that right now. It, they taste like shit. It's a fucking bad gummy bear. Fits. I've got. Well, speaking of sponsor, I've got Amador lined up, so we're we're squared away there. Nice. Um. They're just, they're cheap. They're good. I mean, it's you like everything. We, bag. It's what, it's everything we wanted in college. So who, I mean, why do, were we buying cases of Natty Light? I mean, Jeff, come on. Am I wrong? It's like Runza. We all know it's dung, but if, if you ate it early enough in your life, it's got a nostalgic taste to it. Wow. He's this bringing is gonna a turn into, This is going to turn into a food podcast right now. At Runza. It's, it's true. <laughs> I just had it Doesn't that dinner. get us into the rivalry talk right there? <laughs> All right. Oh. Before before we all defend Runza, French Dorothy Lynch dressing, everything <laughs> oh, else I that we can Kool Aid, roller skating, Kool Aid, yeah, all of that. Let's let's set the table here real quick. So, over the course of now going back, if my math is correct, 131 years, Nebraska and Iowa have played 52 times. And Nebraska does lead the series 29 wins, 20 losses, and three three ties. The crazy part in my research, shout out to Wikipedia. Is that we allow is, ties? <laughs> well, there's there's that. And they were like nine to nine and oh, yeah. eight to eight. Um Big Ten football. But is the fact that from night or 1891 to 1899, they only played those games in Omaha and Council Bluffs. So the first game actually on campus was 1903 in Iowa City. So now I don't know if if Jeffrey, you were there. Uh, did they wave to the hospital in 1903 or is this something a little bit more recent? Now, I, I say that and I do think that's really cool. So I've, I've got it. I'm going to I'm going to stop that one right there. Way to cover your ass, Fitz. Hey, I'm a man of the uh, Haribo gummy bears. So um, and then just going forward. So they didn't play then from 1904 to 1947 and then all the way up to 1978. And so you just go through, but long story short, what we're here for and what we're going to break down and get into, because this is really what the crowd wants is the big 10 games. And especially the last seven years where Nebraska is a woeful O and seven. So what do you guys have to say for yourselves? Let's go. Do we just hearken back to the 90s right now and shield championship rings, or do we just kind of let that come in naturally? I don't know if you guys Wait know up. about this or not, but uh, 1995, let me tell you a little story about this guy named Tommy Frazier. Uh, <laughs> now we won't jump back to the 90s yet. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, okay, let me, 
Can I go way? Can I go the way back? Not not uh, 1904 way back. Not but, not uh, if you're going to claim those five fake natties. Um, I would claim one of them. I would claim one of them. Um, I'll give you one. I'll give you yep, one. I would claim one. <laughs> uh, uh, because pretty much every national championship was mythical until the BCS. That's that's the tough tough thing about it. Um, but uh, we claim a tie. Yeah, I mean it's and you should. I mean, I I would claim it if I was you too. Like. If I could, like, I, I, growing up in Iowa, I, I swear I, I did not grow up disliking Nebraska. Uh, there was not much Nebraska talk. I, again, it was Iowa, Iowa State, uh, and, and the Big Ten. I mean, that, that's pretty much what I, what I thought about. Um, and the Rose Bowl, you know, the, and the Rose Bowl, that, that was, that was what you, you, you went for. Um, Iowa was beating Iowa State like a redheaded stepchild all through the 80s and most of the 90s. Okay, so like that was just a fun little conversation to rib your Iowa State friends about. Um, so it wasn't until I had already gone to Iowa and uh, we played Nebraska my junior year. This is uh, Coach Ference's first year. Uh Obviously, at that time frame, Nebraska was was rolling. You know that was Crouch at quarterback. They came into Kinnick. Um, I'm going to say it was the second or third game of the year. We were geeked up. People might forget it was seven to nothing at halftime of that game. And then Nebraska, being an established program, obviously took off and, and rolled uh, rolled us in the second half. Um, we got beat. You know. Um, we had put a lot of work into that. Uh, we battled Kansas state at the beginning of the year in the kickoff classic in an arrowhead stadium. It was like 140 degrees down on the field. I'll never forget that. Um, and anyways, so we come back I'm, after the game's over, I'm pissed. Not that I played a whole bunch, but you're still mad, you know? And, um, uh, I came back to the, uh, tailgate spot and I'm having a couple suds with my family. And, uh, this like friend of a friend, it's a guy that I had met before, but I don't really know the guy all that great. He's a Nebraska fan. He walked up to me and put his arm around me with a big Nebraska shirt on and said, so how'd you like that ass kicking? And I fucking, sh- Oh, I, I wasn't going to drop an F bomb, but there it went. And I shoved him off and he was like a, you know, 40 year old dude. I could have cleaned the parking lot up with him. And that was honestly my first interaction with a quote unquote Nebraska fan. And I was like, what in the hell was that about? And I remember my buddy was like, dude, don't you know about Nebraska fans? They're pricks. And I had, that was it. That was the first thought process I had ever had with Nebraska fans. Fast forward 10 years. This is a, a, a I'm living up in Minnesota. Now a buddy, Pat and I, Patrick and I have, good friend of mine and we're out at the bar and it was like July, August. It was right before the football season started. Iowa was really good that year. The the previous year there, that was 2009. I remember it. Iowa was 11 and two beat the shit out of Georgia tech in the orange bowl and returned a ton of starters. I think we were ranked in the top 10 or 12 or I mean, we were ranked high going into the year and me and him are geeking out talking about Iowa football. We're both Iowa football fans and there's a Nebraska fan that we didn't know sitting within ear earshot. And he's like, if you guys played in the big 10 or big 12, you wouldn't even go six and six. You guys suck, you know? 
and we're like, what? You know, like, dude, we just went 11 and two. And then I, I remembered that year before Iowa beat Nebraska, Iowa beat Iowa state like 35 to seven or something like that. And Iowa state had beat Nebraska that year. If you can remember, it was like 2008 or nine. Right? Was it the big one where they just ran all over them? No, I think that might've anyways. And me and him just jumped on him. Like you can't even beat Iowa state. And then I don't know. It's just been like, those were my interactions with Nebraska fans. That's almost it. That's almost all of my, my interactions with Nebraska fans. Then I got on Twitter, homie, that didn't help. It got, it got worse at that point, but I got a saving grace here. I swear. Then we started the podcast and I got to know more Nebraska fans than there are Nebraska fans now that are just the shit. I, I mean, like I said, Jim, Minnesota, I, I consider him a friend the, you know, the people I already named they're they're great followers of the pod. And then I get to know that there's like infighting between Nebraska <laughs> fans and, and to, sit, to sit back and watch it. It's incredible. And I know from your guys' point of view, you're like, but we're the good ones. But from opposing fans' point of view, and I would throw Minnesota in there now, Wisconsin fans have gotten a taste. They don't remember the positive interactions nearly as much as they do the negative ones. I don't know. There, there's my got up on the soapbox soliloquy, but that that's my background. And my guess is if you asked other Iowa fans, there's a lot of similarities that, that, that they would have with me. So, I think that's so funny Zach that and, you – go ahead, Fitz. No, I, no, I was just going to ask you two because you're, you're a little bit younger than, than Jeffrey and I. What's your take – not take. Let's, let's establish this first. What's your rivalry connection? Why do you think it's – how did it start for you – are you, you know, that whole thing? Cause his Jeffries goes back. It's, it's almost, it just kind of came up organically, but you, know, where do you guys kind of fit into all that? Cause then I can go through mine. Cause you guys are interesting with Fitzy being older, closer to my age and you two being younger, like Fitzy has more fonder memories, if that's correct English. Yeah. Deep in the, you know, the, the, the sub part of his brain, I'm curious with you guys. Cause you're like almost a whole new generation. I, I, I mean, I can, I I'm still, I go back to Devaney sometimes. I mean, it was, it was good. It was rough, but Devaney got us. Oh no, I'm not that old, but <laughs> what's, where are you at with this Drake? Where, how did that, how does it kind of fit oh, for man. you? What are your memories? So I'm, I'm going to be honest. I have kind of a controversial take here and it's not it before anybody takes it as a dig at Iowa. I want to make sure it's, it's known that it's not a dig. I don't, consider it a true rivalry i feel like this is very forced by the big 10 because we're border states um you know we got the black friday game when i was growing up because we didn't play iowa every year i never thought about iowa i i still make jokes that like the greatest play in iowa history was when eric crouch trucked that guy that like db or linebacker by the way i know that i know that guy he's a really good dude you know it's just (laughs) weird it's weird for me like like he's a good you know he's a good guy he's a teammate of mine yeah i just but yeah, I just don't have like I don't have a strong opinion against Iowa. I like Jeff saying I have some negative interaction with some of their fans or a couple of buddies that grew up in Iowa and they're Iowa fans and they like to take shots at me. But I from a rivalry standpoint between the two schools, I just feel like it's very forced between the Big Ten. 
So can I can I play psychology just for one second? I, I'm very yeah. interested in your guys' take. What one thing that I have took time to actually think about is how pissed I would be as a fan if I was ripped from my conference and shoved in another one. Like honestly, that's friggin' traumatic. <laughs> Yeah. If there if there is anything that a fan base could go through that's traumatic, that's that's it right there. Mm-hmm. Like so, I get more excited when we schedule home and homes with Colorado, Oklahoma. I can't wait for us to do it with Texas. Um, you know, some of the most disappointing moments in my life is watching Oklahoma State tear down the goalposts. I just, yeah, you're right. I was in high school when we made the jumper early on in college when we switched conferences. And it just, it's never felt right. Right. Uh, especially when you turn around and watch the, I, I still think the big 12 is much more exciting football because this is what I grew up watching. It's again, it's, it's in, it's implanted in your DNA. we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, like if you took me out of the big 10 and took me away from Wisconsin and, and Minnesota, and to be honest with you, there, there's a lot of deep old blood, 20 year old blood with Northwest Northwestern, as well. And then classic memories. I mean, my brother's team, 1990 Rose bowl team went into Michigan and beat Michigan. Like that has kinship to even the bigger, you know, programs too. Cause you, you have memories with that. So I just, before this podcast was over, I wanted to say that, like, I feel like that's something that's not talked enough, even on Nebraska podcast, that is a crazy thing that happened. Now, as a Big Ten guy, I don't feel guilty about it because I don't think you want to be in the Big 12 right now. You know, yeah. like the, because we all know Texas is going to do what Texas is going to do. They're pricks. They're 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 the biggest pricks in football. And I'm not just saying that to play to your audience. They're they're awful human beings and they did what was good for them and and not college football. I'm, you know, I I'm not saying most people would, but but you know, like there'd be a bad spot Nebraska would be in right now if they were still in the big 12. So I think all things being said, you would still rather be here. Now, the second thing I would point on is like, when you talk about how, you know, it's not a rivalry and it was forced, what's your rival? What's your rival? If it's not Iowa, like the big 10 was trying to usher in a rivalry because what are you, if you were in, the Big Ten's leadership at that point, when they're literally talking to the godfather of Nebraska football, Tom Osborne, who was a part of those that process, I guarantee Tom Osborne was a part of the, the brain trust that said, we've got to start, you know, ushering in a new era of football for Nebraska. So they, they got to keep the Black Friday game. Who else are you going to do with it? Wisconsin and Minnesota play the oldest rivalry in college football history. You're not bumping them. You're not bumping Ohio State, Michigan. The only other team that would have even remotely made sense was Penn State. And and I don't know the negotiations, but I my guess is Penn State maybe wasn't interested. I I I I don't know, but there was no good options. This was the shiniest turd of the bu- of the bunch was to try to to make this a rivalry there was just no other way to do this thing no you're right and i guess like my my point is i don't have like a deep-seated hatred for iowa so like when i was playing anybody else i'm not actively rooting against them like i do against the wisconsin i have some 
deep seated hate for Wisconsin. Okay. And because I always see like What's Paul up? Chris. Hey, I always, I always <laughs> see Paul Chris during the game. We're like, already building. Let's we're run already, it up on these already building bridges, and, man. We're building bridges. Yeah. Here. So that that's just why I don't think it's like a, a true rivalry because I don't fucking hate Iowa. I, re- I actually respect Iowa. I, I mean, you- I'll say this in all honesty. I don't, I don't, I have fun with Wisconsin. There are Iowa fans that hate Wisconsin. Typically got people that grew up in the Northeast part of the state. Um, I, I don't hate Wisconsin. It, it is a, it is a respect given rivalry between the two fan bases. Um, a little bit spicier between Iowa and Minnesota. Uh, but still Minnesota fans are the, the, the ones that love it and care are awesome. But for the most part, too many people in the state care about hockey more than they do college football. So it doesn't get quite as much. So like, I don't know, like to me, it doesn't have to be this, like what I get the feeling sometimes is like, it has to be this, well, we're both good at the same time. That's why it's a rivalry. I got to call bullshit on that you're 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 trying to tell me that both teams have to go into the game ranked in the top 10 in order for it to be a meaningful game like the backyard brawl doesn't have you know hatred to it heck kansas state iowa state is a rivalry you know like uh uh tons of times michigan and michigan state have played one of those two teams is not high up they still hate each other Nebraska, Colorado. Are you kidding exactly. me? Exactly. Yeah. So, like, I don't buy into this. That that I, I mean, if it's not a rivalry, I just don't know what you call it. Because I can tell you one thing: when I get on Twitter, like, I have like my three beefs with the Nebraska with the Nebraska fan page that I have written down. But the thing that like I hear all the time that drives me nuts is we don't even think about Iowa. Bullshit. Bullshit. You don't because. <laughs> Tyler Linderbaum goes in the first round and Jurgens goes in the second round. And one commentator says, I think he could have been the best center in the big 10. And Jim in Minnesota tweeted that stuff out in four seconds later to, to, to rib at Iowa fans. I only remember that one. Cause it's the most recent, but that type of stuff happens all the time between both fan bases. Like if it's not a rivalry, it, it sure looks like one. Well, I'd agree. And I think Brian Ferentz has done a good job of like taking shots at Nebraska at like luncheons and stuff where, you know, he just, he just takes a few shots at Nebraska once in a while that I think heats it up for our fans. It's not that I don't think about Iowa. It's that for for me, I don't hate Iowa. And I grew up not thinking about Iowa because we didn't play Iowa. Well, see, and that's the, that's the big part though, too, is, you know, big, big eight, big 10, there wasn't the the connection except maybe a potential bowl game and things like that. And so you were at that, at that time, I think there was a little bit more, and I'm not going to say conference cheerleading, but there was a little bit more conference alignment, conference identity. Nebraska was part of the big eight, just like I'm sure I know I was proud to be part of the big 10 Minnesota's proud to be part of the big 10. You wave that, you wave that banner, which I think, at that rate, if you want to, you know, dig down into this, you know, Nebraska coming in as the new kid on the block, having that all, having that success, any time, any school, and we've seen it, it's been a lot of them that have taken their shots and gotten them in against Nebraska. 
that starts to create that that animosity. And I think it's good for the it's good for the sport. It's good for the games that the Black Friday when for a while that was about the only game in town, only game on TV type of thing when you could really see it for everybody. That was a national game. It creates that. And I think it's I think it's important. Obviously, Nebraska's had success. You you look at what do we come back to all the time? You know, I was just content. They're fine with, you know, this and that. Now, we were pretty good with nine and three for a, a lot, a lot of years. But there's just so many elements that go into it. The river, the proximity, co-workers that drive into Omaha, co-workers that, that drive um, into Council Bluffs, family. That's where, that's where my connection to all that comes. I've had a, I have a lot of family in Iowa growing up. And we, if we were there on a weekend, you know, they're the football games on and I'm like, well, let's, can we watch Nebraska? Can we talk? And so they, they had pride in their, in that school. I had pride in Nebraska. You go. And I think it just kind of builds. And it's in my opinion, I know Drake, you said this, it's, I don't think it's forced. I, I think it's, especially now, well, you can't, you know, Iowa fan, maybe I'm not speaking for them, but how do you how do you have a, a rivalry when it's been you know last seven games stuff like that? You know you can't you can't come back from that right now. But I think the the wanting to win, Big West, you've got to get one over the other. You know that type of thing. I I think it's that. I don't know. I think it's a rivalry. I think if if the if the broadcasts if um, sports media stuff like that even just added a little bit more to it, I think it could get to the levels of some of those that you've already mentioned. I mean, so uh, Fitz and I think it's a rivalry. Zach, Drake? Oh, it's definitely a rivalry. I mean, yeah. it may not so be. We have on, a consensus. may not be on the level <laughs> it's not of. not a consensus. Like in Oklahoma <laughs> or anything, four. but. That's three yeah. out of four. We got, we got a majority. Consensus is all. <laughs> yeah, okay. The devil's in the details with that. But because um, um, my other side of it is, and I guess we already said it, but like. Uh, if it's not Iowa, I don't know who your rivalry rival is. You know, I mean, obviously your rivals are still Oklahoma and, and Colorado. Uh, you had a little bit of rivalry with Kansas State, you know, like Nebraska, Kansas State is kind of like Iowa Northwestern, you know, like uh, and so so there's definitely old rivals. But inside the Big Ten, I don't know, like everything has to happen organically. But this would be like having a podcast back in. 1947 you know yeah. like you, it takes 30 40 50 years for these things to come out we're we're still in the infancy of it okay yeah. so it, again for me it's it's strictly i don't have deep-seated hate for iowa like i hate minnesota i hate wisconsin and it's more from like a coaching perspective i just i don't have an opinion on Ference that I'm like, oh, I hate that guy. I hope he loses every game. Well, I tell you what, the uh, organic nature of the Nebraska-Minnesota quote-unquote rivalry has been fun to watch. Um, you know, when I first got to know my wife's friends, they're, they're Gopher fans. They paid attention to Gopher football even before PJ was there. They, they, they love Jerry Soda, okay, Jerry Kill before that. And I would talk to them about how much Nebraska fans annoyed me and they just shrugged me off. They just said, okay, Iowa fan, uh, whatever. Now I find them chirping at Nebraska fans much more than I do. I mean, 
Love it. I, I mean, I hope this thing has legs and keeps going because this has been fun. The, the bits of broken chair is fun. You know, like I yeah. hope it actually winds up being uh, 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 a trophy and a rivalry. I hope this thing takes off. No, I agree. I think, I think that's part of the Nebraska fan base's problem with the conference as a whole is the whole time we've been in it, it's trying to find the right fit. Not necessarily with obviously play on the field, play on the court, whatever you want to throw it, but we don't have decades of, of history with the conference. So I, to me, it feels like we're still finding our footing there. I mean, honestly, it's like daddy found a new mommy. And he was trying to do the best he could for his kids to like the new mommy. It's just, it's almost impossible for it to happen until all of a sudden you blink your eyes and 25 years have gone by and it's second nature. And, and the thing is, is, you know, I just think about my, I've got a nephew who's a senior in high school. I mean, really about the only thing he's known is Nebraska being in the big 10 soon and not soon, but not that long. He's going to be a 40-year-old dude, and it's going to be the only thing he knows. Then it's going to feel normal to those type of guys. Yeah. Well, when you get – and I think, you know, Nebraska coming in, and I still feel that – and not the conferences. I'm not going to get into the into that stuff. But every school, why wouldn't you want to flex your muscle against Nebraska? They are, again, another conversation, but they're a blue blood. They've been in it for a long time and they've been doing good things for a long time. So why wouldn't Minnesota prop prop it up a little bit when they've had success against them? You know, things like that, which, which tells me that there's still respect for Nebraska. There's still an idea that Nebraska's a a big, a big player in, in all of this, but look at just little moments and we'll bring it back to, to the Iowa kicker who's blowing the kisses. If that stuff doesn't start to churn and get you going a little bit, then, you know, what are we, why are you, why are you watching? But those are the moments you want. If you can call back to, you said Kansas State, Nebraska, don't tell me that that face mask not being called on, on Crouch isn't a big part of why there's more disdain and uh, vitriol towards Kansas State. I mean, there's all these little things. And, but, but then it comes into on, you know, demeanor and this coach shouldn't be doing this well against us. We're taking that personally type of thing. And then you look at, you know, because I can, I can go back, you know, 30 some odd years. And again, people talking about the type of football that was played in the big 10, like we we mentioned before and what Iowa does and, you know, the joke, you know, the Outback bowl and stuff like that. If, if those conversations aren't going on, it may not be in this small circle now that, is social media, but those conversations have been going on a long time. So it's, it's, I don't know if it was a rivalry because they weren't playing as consistently, but there was not a likeness. They there people didn't like Iowa, whether they were good, yeah. bad, or indifferent. And I think that's important though. I think it's, and it's good for it. It's good. And I, you know, a lot of this is based off Twitter, unfortunately, you know, um, but like that is the conversation that happens between, Iowa and Minnesota fans and Iowa and Wisconsin fans right now is like um, when Nebraska fans say, and and then I hear, I hear podcasts, I hear podcasts say, uh, I hear, uh, you know, we can't lose to teams like Minnesota. And I cringe when I hear that. I I do. I cringe when I hear that because like, I, I know this is tough to say, but, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Minnesota are all above Nebraska. 
right now. And like, I'm not saying that the, if, if you, you know, extrapolate over enough time into the future that I wouldn't expect Nebraska to get back up there, but like, we have to, we have to think about the now right now. And when I listen to podcasts and I understand Nebraska's schedule and hopefully we can get into, you know, the next year's team here a little bit, I do see those first six games, you know, and I think they can, Nebraska can get some wins here. But don't just pound the chest and say, well, we should definitely start 6-0. and Like, at some point, I, I, you know, you got to take every win <laughs> for, for what they are, which is a gift from the college football gods. We, we, you know, like, you never know when a win or a loss could happen. And sometimes I wonder, you know, if Nebraska fans still lack a little bit of history in that, yeah, Iowa fans, we're, by the way, we're not content with eight and four. We expect eight and four, okay? Then there's different years, different schedules where we expect more. Iowa fans expected more out of 2021, and we got to Indianapolis, okay? We didn't win the game, but we expected more. We expect quite a bit out of this year's team, too. But then when there are years where all of a sudden you graduate a bunch, we're just not going to still con- – expect a 10 and two 11 and one year. We then understand that you're going to drop back. And that's because we've got 40 years of Iowa football history where we look like a lot of eight and four teams right now, Nebraska is, I mean, you're 20 years in to not, I don't know how you could expect 10 and two teams or 11 and one teams right now. But when we see that, when the rival fan bases see that, again, mostly on Twitter, I don't know how we're supposed to react. But for the most part, it's, you know, face, face, palm. face palm. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, can you uh, we kind of want to be we want to be respectful of your time too. Uh, give us a breakdown of the what you expect to see out of Nebraska in 22. Whew. man. <laughs> okay. Again, like we kind of talked about before. So are we are we off the uh the Iowa right? That was good talk, right? I just want I just want to put a bow on it. I appreciate you guys having the talk. I have been on a lot of Nebraska podcasts. You guys were the first ones to engage in that part of the conversation. Honestly, I just want to say I appreciate having that conversation. I don't know. I thought it was pretty fun and interesting. Hopefully your listeners do too. Well, doesn't it make it more fun, though, anyway? I don't care if people think it's a rivalry or not. Doesn't it just engage it more? All I'm saying it- is there are Iowa and Nebraska fans that have had the exact same conversation that we have just had countless times. Now yeah. at least we got one recorded <laughs> from <laughs> there people you go. to listen to. All right. On to the 2022 Nebraska Cornhuskers. As we were talking about uh, before we started recording, I don't know how y'all do it, but you're always one of the most intriguing teams in the off season, there's a little bit of drunk uncle there, you know, where you never know who he's going to show up at the holiday party with type of deal. Uh, but you also know, drunk uncle every now and then he'll rip something out to surprise the hell out of you. You know, like it's, it's always got that kind of intriguing part of it. Um, so we'll start on the, the offense. Okay. And like, I'm sitting here thinking, how crazy is it that four years in, you know, the fifth fall that Frost is here, we have a new offensive coordinator, right, in, in Whipple, 
almost for, I mean, for sure. Like we're looking at 99%, a new quarterback with Casey Thompson. I think the day one starting running back is going to be a new running back in Anthony Grant. I think the number one right wide receiver from day one is going to be a transplant in Trey Palmer. And I don't know who the hell is starting on the offensive line. Like I've got names, but like how it's all join the club, right? New running back coach, new, new O-line coach. How unique is it that for five years into a regime, you have a completely new side of the ball like this. If anybody tells you that they know exactly what the Nebraska offense is going to look like in 2022, they are a liar because it is, it is very intriguing and very crazy and impossible to try to figure out. It's you look at that and you want to say, okay, we can, well, let's take COVID out of it. So you give it, you know, people can, we can make all these excuses. We can, we could twist it all we want, but you're exactly right. We have no idea. We don't know if it's what we've seen the last three or four years on offense with frost, how much of the Whipple effect, which is an actual procedure in medical terminology. If you, if you haven't looked that up yet, but um, (laughs) I stayed at a holiday and express last night. You just, you have this idea that if they can put it together, you look at the potential, you know, and now we're going to put, we're, I mean, Nebraska fans, we, we have all been lifelong Kenny Pickett fans. We just, you go through (laughs) all this because you, you have this, you have this idea that you want it to work. But again, we have no idea. We don't know if, you know, we get the spring practice reports and the defense says, Oh, they've been running the ball pretty well. Okay. Are we scared about our defensive line? Stuff like that. So (laughs) Yeah, I what I find here's what I find most intriguing is I I feel like I've read enough Nebraska articles and talked to enough Nebraska fans where I can say that the cohesion between what Whipple wants to do and what Frost used to do has not happened yet. It's I I think that is two egos that are trying to meld together right now. Now Frost gets the ultimate say, but I would have liked to have been during the, been in on the interview process because Whipple's an old angry dude that gets, he's not taking that job unless he thinks he has quite a bit of control on what's going to happen with the offense. So like, I still feel like there's a figuring out process that's happening right there. I hear Frost talk about how he wants the old line to fire off the ball because he hated how they were playing too much, you know, zone catch on the offensive line. And then he wants to attack, but I don't know if that fits into what Whipple wants to do, which is a lot of downfield passing like, and, 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 and taking strikes downfield. I mean, there's a reason why they brought in Casey Thompson and, and Anthony Grant. So that's where I'm wondering is like the mixture of what they want to do running the ball and then pairing that up with the throw game. Like, I feel like Frost wants to take over the running attack and Whipple has the passing attack. I, I, I can't wait until that Northwestern game to see what that, that offense looks like. Do you, do you think you- there's any chance? Well, not any chance. What, how vanilla do you think they are in that Northwestern game? I'm expecting them to still be relatively vanilla. That, that, that's what blows. I mean, I, I'm, I, I am so geeked for that Northwestern, 
Nebraska game. I was at the Nebraska Illinois game. Sorry to bring up bad memories because obviously it was the first time in two freaking years we could go to a live football contest. Like uh, my podcast partner and my brother, we drove down to to Champaign to check that game out. I ain't going to Ireland. Okay. I'm not gonna be able to fit that, but I can tell you one thing I'm setting my whole day around watching that Nebraska Northwestern game. Do I think Northwestern is going to be world beaters next year? Absolutely not. It is just hard for me to picture Northwestern being as bad in 2022 as they were in 2021. So, but it's still a Northwestern defense that's trying to figure itself out going against a Nebraska offense that is obviously trying to figure itself out. If I'm going to make a prediction, it's going to be ugly football. I mean, I'm, and, it, and it's nothing against uh, Nebraska or Northwestern per se. It's just traveling overseas in that setting. So many new working parts. It, we could see, we could see 38 to 35, or we could honestly see 16 to 13. Yeah, no, I definitely think that's uh that's very viable to see that 16 to 13. It my gut tells me 16 to 13, like an ugly game. And I think that's what you're alluding to with the vanilla. But I'm gonna tell you what, they're not gonna go vanilla just because they want to get the win and get out of there. If they can put points on the board, they're they're gonna go at it. Um, but so I found a stat on the athletic that I thought was incredible. So uh, when pressured in 2021, Adrian Martinez completed 50% of his throws, 9.9 attempt. He had a, a touchdown interception ratio of three and four. Last year, Casey Thompson went under pressure, completed 43% of his passes, 6.2 yards per attempt. And his, interse- his touchdown interception was two and five, which means you better protect Casey Thompson and that all falls on the offensive line. And I give Nebraska fans credit, man. They know their team. They've been anxious about the offensive line since essentially the last snap of the, of the game last year. It's got to come together. The, the offensive line, I believe, will do a pretty good job in, in run, in, in, in uh, 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 rushing the ball. But their development in the pass pro – is, is going to be absolutely paramount and it starts week one with Northwestern. Well, that's a, that's a great way to, to say, Hey, you know what, when we start watching, we, we hear the reports in the summer, we get back to a little fall ball. I think we can definitely come back to this exact point and then maybe touch on the defense a little bit. Uh, maybe get your uh, podcasting partner on board, talk a little bit more big 10 around the, around the league, but also kind of get on, onto uh on uh nebraska as a as a bigger team and look at some of those records so yep. um you have any uh any parting shots for the nebraska fan base for our rivalry first of many rivalry podcasts i mean the only thing i'll say is i'm never going to stop being an iowa fan if i get ribbed by a nebraska fan i'm going to rib back maybe sometimes i'll even start the ribbing because uh, that's who i am it's wired into my dna um, there are certain parts of the Nebraska fan base that I can't stand and I never will. But on the Eyes on Big podcast, people have gotten to know on Twitter, there's a ton of Nebraska fans that that I like very, very much. We very much appreciate the downloads and the interaction from the podcast and, and on Twitter. So above all, you know, 
it's it's tough to put everything in a nut in a shell. You know, it's always a little bit you know nuanced to it. This is the same thing, but overall, you know, I look forward to where Nebraska and the Big Ten and the Iowa Nebraska rivalry goes from here. Uh, we we both and both fan bases want that to be the game that determines the Big West champion, and that's that's all that's It'd all we fun. can ask for. So. Let's uh, let's definitely reconvene this in the in the fall as we get close to the season. Uh, Zach Drake, anything else for Jeffrey before we wrap this up tonight? All right, you're muted, Drake. We are. Yeah, I caught that. It, it told me, <laughs> Jeff. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, this has been fun. Looking forward to doing it again. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Uh, It was an awesome time, and yeah, let's do it again. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, thanks. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid-filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red.